Blog Talk Radio. Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. Oh yeah, I love that music so much. Uh, we want to thank Sebastian Kane as well as Colin Kramer uh, for putting together uh, our intros, uh, our little segue pieces. want to thank SharpshooterFunding.com and the entire Hart family, the legendary Hart family, uh, for, for being one of our sponsors and Pretty much having the entire living family, other than Brett, on the show, uh, which was has been great. Um, you guys have been awesome holding the show down while I've been a little bit in the weeds the last couple of weeks. Uh, I haven't really been able to uh, get on the way that I wanted to get on. I've been doing four or five things at once, uh, but luckily the Yankees are off tonight, uh, and I don't have to do the music studio because I got one of the interns to cover the music studio. Uh, so, therefore... I am here for you guys the entire night. Uh, I do want to thank you guys though for holding down the fort and putting on some good interviews. I went back and I've listened to them uh, on Tuesday afternoons, and uh, you know you guys didn't miss a beat. So I want to thank you for that, and uh, you know just uh, say I got the two best co-hosts on the internet right now. And uh, you know we're uh, we love doing the show, and uh, you know just the main thing is that. You know, COVID has sucked, and we do know this, but it hasn't slowed us down what we're doing. And, uh, you know, if there's people that thought that uh, COVID might uh, cause us to go away for a while, that didn't happen, did it? Well, um, um, why would it, though? I mean, we're all we're on the Internet, so it's not like we're near anybody. We're not, you know, having to be six feet apart from anybody. In fact... We, I'm sure we provided uh, some peace of mind for some of these people uh, during COVID simply because, you know, uh, a lot of the times, you know, during quarantine and whatnot, we, we gave people uh, something to listen to, something to, to look forward to on the air when everything else pretty much was closed. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we really excelled on this, um, 
this whole COVID front? Well, you know, I think what I think what most people were thinking of is, uh, you know, the fact that uh, if we, uh, you know, that, you know, if any of us contracted COVID or whatever, that kind of stuff is what I I think they were. Worried. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Well, I, I don't know if you guys had it. I I I have not been confirmed as having it. Um, I was a little sick about a month or so ago, but I got over it relatively quickly. Uh, I don't know about you guys, though, if, if you guys had it at all. No, I never did. Uh, and I just got okay, my good. vaccination, so good, I'm kind of happy about that. Nice, nice. How about you, Granny? You never got it, did you? Well, they said in November of last year that I tested positive, but if I was truly actually positive, it was probably a very, very mild case because I never lost my taste. I never lost my sense of smell. I The only thing I had was like a sinus headache, and oh, nice. I still don't think I really had it, but I've had my first vaccination. I get my second one April 28th, so. Okay. Okay. Nice. See, for me... Uh, I'm going to have to end up getting it. I'm going to hold off until the very last minute um, simply because um, because I, I, I'm i going to have to get it in order to go back on the air for Skidmore because, uh, as you guys know, I, you know, I do the play-by-play for Skidmore College, and uh, if I'm going to be down on the court with all the other people keeping time and stats and things like that, I'm going to be around people. I'm going to have to get it, um, but that doesn't start again until the fall, so I'll probably wait and see. Um, if I can, if I can swing it till then, but, you know, New York is a very strict state and, you know, uh, New York is making things harder and harder to live daily life without it. So I may have to cave a little earlier. We'll see. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but we want you to be safe too, you know, and, uh, oh, of course. you know, um, um, so I know so, we do uh, have, just, just so you know, I know usually we talk a little bit about sports. Um, we talk a little bit about wrestling, things like that. Uh, in order to start off the show, uh, we do have a three-guest show here tonight. Uh, we also have our 781 number, who I'm assuming is our first guest, uh, I'm being told, is is on the hold line with us. So, I mean, did you want to go to him right out of the gate or, or him or her right out of the gate? Or did you want to um, vamp for a little bit and then go to them? Well, uh, uh, yeah, we can, uh, you said 781, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, that's our first guess. We can go ahead and go to him, and then I'll uh, vent about uh, our, our local, uh, uh, one of our local talk show guys later. Oh, well, how long is the vent going to be? Because I, I, you know I love an icon rant. Well, uh, we can save it for a while. All right, all right, we'll save it. But I definitely want to hear it before we go off the air tonight. So uh, I'm going to have the intern put them on. Icon, you do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, about to enter the ring right now. He is the man with a master plan. The man that knows all video, all talk showing, all writing, all songwriting, you name it, he does it all. He is Leonard Kaplan. Hey, this is Leonard Kaplan here from Wrestling Talk. 
You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the hosts, the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Hulster. How are you, buddy? How's it going? I'm good. Was that a good promo read? Yes, it was. How about the introduction you got? I, I, I'm, I'm astounded. That was a fantastic introduction. And you Joe know, McHugh could have done better. Well, you know, I'll tell you, you, you won't get any better uh, introductions than a- anywhere than right here. Just ask me. I'll tell you. That's, that's, that's quite an honor. How did you hear about my show? Well, you know, I um, you know, I like to uh go and browse through the internet and uh look on Facebook and uh you know, look through mutual friends and I came across you and I thought that uh you would be a great uh fit for our show. Uh you could promote us and we can promote you and that's what we like to do, a little cross promoting and uh it kinda goes hand in hand. So that's how I found you. Sounds great. Sounds great. What's your favorite episode of ours? I don't. I don't have. I, I can't narrow it down because every episode that you've done is great. So I can't really narrow it down. <laughs> that's that's quite high praise. So what city so are you in, what, and what, what state? Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what we'll do here, real quick. Uh, we'll have you do a little. We want you to give us a little background about yourself, and then sure. we'll. Uh, Talk about that, and then we'll interview you, and we'll have a lot of fun. Sounds good. Well, we are the world's oldest wrestling talk show. We started in June of 1987, and our first guest was Walter Kielikowski, whose school was right next to my hometown of Revere, Massachusetts. At the time, I worked for cable and I ran an after-school video club, and I wanted something for my after-school kids to do for a real show because they were into TV production. And my friend Paul Fay, the late Paul Fay, was a wrestling photographer for Killer Kowalski and invited him to my studio, and we spent about 90 minutes with him, and that became the basis for what became the first five episodes of the show. And the rest is history. You know, it's you know it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Killer Kowalski, and uh, uh, what's interesting about that? Uh, we have uh, we have uh, Leonard Kaplan as our guest here. Uh, we have uh, well, we have him for the next thirty-five minutes or so. Uh, what's interesting about Killer Kowalski is I actually interviewed him when I was on Real Radio 96.7, the Ben and Jim show. He was uh, one of the guests that I found to be on uh, our nationally syndicated talk show back in the day. And uh, one of our guests, uh, one of our co-hosts had asked him, well, geez, you know, that that doesn't sound like a very nice name. How did you get the name Killer? And he said, well, I knocked the guy's ear off, and I laughed about it. And they called me Killer, and uh, the name stuck. That's correct. That's the story. Yep, and uh, um, uh, one of the co-hosts that we had at the time was kind of a smartass. He said to me, he said to Killer, he said, well, geez, instead of laughing about it, shouldn't you have uh, called the uh, ambulance? 
and uh, and the killer said to him, uh, "Well, I guess I know how I'm going to handle you for the rest of this interview." <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was awesome. So yeah. uh, here's what we'll do. I'm going to ask a few questions, and we'll do a little round table. And then we have all three of us here tonight, so uh, we're going to have some fun with you. Sure. Uh, so you know you've been doing this since '87. Uh, is there um, is there a- anybody that you interviewed that didn't go so well? Because we've had a few of those. Oh, we've had we've had a few of those. So we had a we interviewed Sting before he was in the NWO when he still had the blonde hair and everything, and it was the best interview that we had done on location. He spent a whole half an hour with us, and we couldn't wait to see it. And when I brought the tape back to the studio, this is back in probably 91, I guess. When we brought brought the tape back to the studio, um, there was nothing there. We saw Sting walking away. My assistant, who was the tape operator, had mixed pause with record and put it in pause when she should have recorded. And we salvaged it, but we went to his next location where he was making a personal appearance, and we got the interview, but it wasn't as great as the one that we lost. Well, you know, yeah, it's kind of hard to do things like that naturally, isn't it? When you you set something up and then, you know, you basically – did the interview and then you got to redo it again. You already know what he's going to say. So it doesn't really come, um, natural. Uh, it's not organic anymore. That's why, like when we have our show, uh, you know, some guests want us to send questions, advance a couple things, rules that we have on our show. One, we won't send you questions in advance. Two, we're always live. Three, we will not pay you to be a guest. And four, if you're a jerk, my co-host will probably take your side over mine. So that's basically <laughs> the way it works. Yeah, it was uh, pretty uh, crazy when that happened. Right. But probably the uh, rudest hence, guest, uh, I'll say the rudest guest we've had uh, was the Sandman was insulting me for the whole time. Really? Yeah. I know, the Sandman. Wow. The Sandman strikes me as, you know, as the kind of guy that you know, would do that. I mean, if, if he's anything like his in-person character, um, it, you know, that that's not surprising. But a lot of the times these guys aren't. They put on a show when they get in front of the camera and they're a totally different person, you know, on interviews and things. So um, in a way I'm surprised, but in a way I'm also not surprised. Well, I didn't really take offense to it because I assumed that he was in character, you know. Well, you know, but... I'll tell you, I uh... – I actually got to meet him, uh, meet him in person. He was uh, here live in Fargo for an event that uh, I worked with. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back next year. The uh, added, uh, the uh, Maui Madness. Uh, he was a guest here, and they let the icon uh, ask a question. And I asked uh, the Sandman. I said, "So tell me, Sandman, is Paul Heyman's word better than the checks he used to write?" And uh, uh, <laughs> He he kind of paused a little bit, and he said, uh, is that what you want to ask me? I said, yes, I'd like to get to the heart of the matter. Now, uh, like I said, you know, every guest that we've had on the show, I'm going to ask you one que- one more question, and we'll kind of do a roundtable here. Uh, we have uh, 
Leonard uh, Kaplan is our guest here. We have uh, 30 minutes. Uh, Granny, you would remember the one jerky guest that we had. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember because he asked me, uh, well, it was it was Stevie Ray. And he, Icon was doing his thing and, you know, and he was asking his questions like he does. And then he gets to me and Stevie Ray says, hold on, hold on, hold on. He says, Granny, I want to know why you are not interviewing me. And I was like, I said, well, I'm just a co-host. I said, I'm not the actual host of this show. And he says, that's no excuse. He says, I want to know why you're not doing this interview. And I was just, because, I mean, I'm I'm a big wrestling fan. I have been a wrestling fan for as long as I can remember. And I'm not even a wrestler with the gimmick name that I have. And... I got that gimmick name from a former coworker because he says, I'm going to start calling you Granny Hulkster because you like wrestling. And I do. And I actually have a very good friend that made me my original Granny shirt, which I still have. It says, what you going to do when Granny Hulkster goes crazy on you? <laughs> and I holler at all the bad guys at the wrestling shows. I do not like the heels. I can get in their faces. They tell me to sit down and shut up before I break a hip. I mean... <laughs> it goes on and on and on. So, but yeah, he, he Stevie Ray wanted to know why Granny Holster was not interviewing him. Hmm. So, uh, with, with that being said, uh, we have we have uh, we have a good buddy here, a new friend of the show. Twenty eight minutes. <clears throat> we have uh, Mr. Kaplan. Uh, Granny, what do you got for our guest? Go ahead. Well, what has been one of your most enjoyable interviews you've done with someone, and who was it with? Well, there's a lot a lot of answers I could give, but I could say Medusa because she became my friend for the next 30 years, and we've done projects together, and uh, it's kind of amazing when you make friends with somebody that you meet on a show, and they become a very important person to you in your life and, and you can call them anytime. And, uh, they're also a celebrity. She's the first celebrity I ever hung out with. And, uh, when I'm in Florida, I go see her and, um, she was a lot of fun on the show. That's what started it all. You know, very, very outspoken and funny and a laugh a minute. Well, I've met some pretty amazing big-time wrestlers over the years myself. I mean, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Tommy Dreamer, just to name a couple, you know, the Rock and Roll Express, which is, they're like one of my favorite tag teams ever. I mean, I've uh, there used to be a wrestling company that ran in Arkansas where I live uh, called Traditional Championship Wrestling, and they did TV tapings, and they still show the old reruns of TCW on TV down in the Little Rock area, and they quit running in 2013. And to this very day, I still have people come up and ask me, hey, aren't you that lady from TCW? Aren't you Granny? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm her. You know, so. But they always had me sitting in the front row, facing the camera, because they knew 
especially the heel wrestlers would come and interact with me and they knew I would interact right back. So I always tried to help out and make it look good for the TV tapings. That's great. Uh, Well, we have uh, Mr. Kaplan as our guest here. We have uh, 25 minutes. Uh, It's been a while since I've been, I've been able to do this. Uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest? We have uh, Mr. Kaplan as our guest. What do you got? So for your show, um, I'm, I'm curious because I'm a radio guy myself. I do uh, play-by-play for a local, you know, I'm up, I'm up in New York. Um, and, well, actually, right now I'm in Clearwater Beach, Florida, but different, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, tonight, um, for all intents and purposes, studios in New York, uh, we – we get our guests because Icon does his dirty work and rolls up his sleeves and goes out and finds these people uh, to come on and talk to us. How do you, uh, what, I'm always curious about the process. Um, you know, through radio, do you, do you go on and book your guests? Do you have a team? Uh, I mean, how do, you, how do you meet some of these people? How do you get somebody like Sting, for example, or the Sandman to come on your show? Like, I mean, do you, do you reach out to them? I mean, how, how does it work? A number of different ways. I mean, we've been on for so long, and we have so many contacts at this point that, mm, well, you know. that's true. Longevity always helps, yeah. Previous guests helped me a lot, and, uh, you know, repeat guests, you know, I could just call them myself. And we had, uh, I have two co-hosts. Um, my main co-host these days is Ed Whittier. And he was with me since the beginning uh, as a kid, and he kind of grew up with the show. But the third co-host, Jim Quinlan, uh, he had contacts in ECW. That's how I got the Sandman and uh, Spike Dudley and people okay. like that. So he was my ECW contact. But, you know, I have a collection of phone numbers, and uh, I think Medusa has gotten me a few numbers as well. And uh, it's just kind of, you know, no no official process, really. Um, mainly, sometimes a lot of time goes by, and we just talk about wrestling instead, you know, like reviewing it, like a Cisco and Ebert type of a thing. Uh, and we don't have it again, you know. Once a year, there's an event around here called Fan Fest uh, in the next state over in, in Rhode Island. And uh, we get a whole bunch of interviews on location there because we know the promoter over there. And um, that, I just save all those, and I play them during shows, and that's our interviews for the year. Mm. Okay. Nice. Now, have you have you always been you know, involved in the wrestling business, or did you start you know, your radio career doing something else and, and, and got into it, you know, in another way. I am a teacher, a uh, high school teacher. I teach okay. at a vocational high school at this point. I've always taught television production. Uh, these days I teach a little bit of podcasting, still photography, and television production. They call that media technology now. And I've uh, never been involved directly with wrestling except uh, the IWF, Walter Kilikowalski's Federation, gave me their Hall of Fame award. They inducted their Hall of Fame 
a couple of years ago because I had so many of their guys on the show, and they call me their mean gene, I guess. So I was honored in 2018 with that. So I've always, my co-host and I have always been kind of on the peripheral of wrestling, kind of on the edge of it, but never quite involved. I've done commentary. I have ring announced on local independence. I introduced King Kong Bundy one time, which was an honor. And that's as close as I really got to it all. Okay. And were you were you a fan though? Like like did you watch wrestling either growing up or throughout any point in your life? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. My grandparents got me into wrestling as a teenager. My grandmother's favorite wrestler was Mad Dog Vashon, and I enjoyed it because. I was fascinated with the character differences between what I was seeing in the WWF in Boston and what I was seeing up uh, in the Canadian wrestling with Edouard Carpentier and Andre the Giant was up there, but he was a different character. He he was his own name, Andre Rusimov, up there. And uh, I I was confused when I was a teenager when a, a character would be a heel in Boston, but he would be a face in Canada or vice versa. And uh, I kind of got out of wrestling for a while until my late co-host and co-producer Paul Fay uh, got me back in because he was a, a wrestling photographer and he could he happened to be able to get uh, Walter Kowalski on the show and it started my fandom all over again. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, Leonard Kaplan is our guest here. We have uh, we have 20 minutes here with uh, Adams. So now I'm going to ask some uh, tougher questions here first. Now, a uh, couple a uh, couple questions I do have to ask is uh, your uh, your rules about uh, uh, sharing contacts with other uh, with other podcasts and radio shows. Uh, what is your rules on that? Well, I would always ask the person first, obviously. Can I give so-and-so your number and all that? Um, If they say no, then it's no. I would never violate anybody's privacy like that. So that leads to the question. Do you think you might be able to hook us up with a few? It's possible. It's possible. I I don't think you need me. I think you guys... (laughs) You guys are very organized, and you've been around for a while. I don't think you really need me. You probably got some people well, that I haven't got. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I, I, I do appreciate that, and I actually take that as a compliment. And uh, what I'm going to do is uh, what you just said there is I'm going to rec- – uh, gonna, when I edit this, I'm going <clears> to <throat> edit that out, and I'm going to put that in my highlight reel, saying, listen to this guy break up the icon. It's great. <laughs> now, no, I know professionals when I Speaking of that, um, you know, I, I do have a couple ego questions now. You know, the icon made you a cool collector's car. What did you think of that? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. What was that? Uh, you know, the icon made you a cool collector's car. What was your thought on that? Made me a cool collector's card. Yeah, you know, I, I sent it to you on Messenger. Uh, with your picture on it? Oh yes, yes, yes. That yeah, I was that was great. That was great. Thank you for that. No, and the thing is, 
uh, I do apologize in the background here. People can uh, hear my dog whine. Uh, Granny didn't talk to him before the show, so now he's jealous. I'm sorry. Well, hello, Homer. I'm sorry we didn't have time to talk, my little fur baby. But Granny loves you, Homer. Now he's licking the phone. Okay. (laughs) Never apologize for a dog because I love dogs. Well, I do too. Uh, I I will say this real quick. Uh, You know, uh, I don't want to. This is this is about you. It's not about me. But (laughs) I'm getting married in September, and uh, (laughs) Homer is hoping that uh, Granny comes down for it because uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him with her the entire time she's here. And uh, I know that Big Spring's coming down because uh, he's going to be the best DJ that any wedding show has ever seen here in Fargo. Congratulations on your marriage. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, now I'm going to ask this. And we won't touch too much on it, but, uh, you know, being a radio guy, being uh, in your area, what has, you know, we know that COVID uh, is sucks and is terrible, but how has COVID affected you, if at all, and uh, what have uh, you guys done to... Uh, uh, combat it. Well, as a teacher, I work with the program Zoom a lot, so everything that we've been doing uh, has been on Zoom. So it's actually made things easier in some respects because there's no travel time involved. There's no uh, crew. It's just doing a Zoom call and recording it. What could be easier than that? Now, uh, being a teacher and doing uh, doing Zoom classroom stuff is that more difficult uh, than it is um, being? I, I would I would assume it would be than being live in the classroom. Well, my class is a hands-on uh, thing. I teach people how to edit and use cameras and all that stuff, so it's quite impossible to do it fully on Zoom. What's even harder is where we are hybrid now, which means part-time in person for a few days and then remote for another few days. That's going to end after my vacation this week where we go back to all in person. But when when you have some kids online and some kid person, that is pretty tough because your attention is split in two and not not really fun. Not fun at all. Um, so you know, with that being said, you know, I, I guess I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't uh, see what it would be like. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, I know how I feel about this. People say, you know, that's not funny, icon. You shouldn't joke about that. But you know, I'll tell you what, though, if this would have happened when I was a kid, and uh, having to learn remotely. Uh, back in the 80s, I don't think it would have been possible, you know, because they don't have the technology back then that they do now. And uh, I'd probably still be in second grade if this was was going on, you know, back in my day. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's tough, you know. uh, The technology, they would have probably closed schools. There was no alternative back then. You couldn't have something like this, you know. Right. Uh, Leonard Kaplan is our guest here. We have uh, we have 14 minutes here with our buddy here. 
so we can get this in, uh, if our fans want to check you out and see it, you got a Facebook, you got Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe, uh, a bake sale. What do you got? We we have Wrestling Talk on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. You can check us out. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, just look under Leonard Aaron, L-E-O-N-A-R-D-A-A-R-O-N. That's my Wrestling Talk channel. And you'll find not all of our shows, but a lot of them on there. And uh, that's it. You can contact me through the Facebook group. I'll definitely answer questions. And uh, the the next question is, when does the icon get to be a guest on your show? Anytime he wants. Anytime. Awesome. And uh, I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll bring the I'll bring the comedy. You know, I did uh, I, I I did famously actually put out a, a comedy CD about ten years ago. It went aluminum, but uh, you know it, it was what it was at the time. Uh, right. And uh, now that I do this uh, podcast, we Yeah, we've been doing it for. That was my fault. We've been doing the show for about five years now, and uh, the sales on my comedy CD has gotten even less. So uh, I'm sure they have. uh, I think I'm in the red. Uh, (laughs) So uh, we have uh, Leonard Kaplan's our guest. He he makes himself less. Yeah, we have two minutes before we finish up. Uh, uh, Granny Big Swing, what else you got for our guests? Go ahead. Well, I'm I'm good. I mean, I think this has been an awesome interview. I think everything's been kind of highlighted and touched on. I mean, well, I want to go on. I want to go on and listen to that. Um, listen to that Sandman interview because I have a you know a talk radio show. Obviously, this is this is our podcast that we do on Monday nights. But uh, every day during the day, I have a sports talk show uh, on the local. Uh, FM radio here in New York, and and you know I've had callers in the past who were, uh, you know obviously not not as desirable as others. None super famous. Usually, if we get pro athletes on, uh, usually they're you know they're pretty respectful, seeing as we're an ESPN affiliate and they don't want to look bad. But um, I'm just curious on an interview like what you said with the Sandman. Um, do you do you get into it with them at all, or do you just take the high road and just keep Keep being the good guy and just let him make an ass of himself. I take the high road. I I don't okay. like confrontation. That kind of confrontation is kind of unnecessary. You know, if he's mm-hmm. doing his gimmick, let him do his gimmick. And uh, I did get body slammed once on my show by a local wrestler who since passed away, and uh, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. Let's put it that way. Now, is the, um, you know, I go over to the Boston area a lot sometimes for work and, and things, and um, ne- never quite for this, though. Uh, how is the, the wrestling community, uh, both on an independent circle and things, over where you're at? Like, like is, it, is it big or is it kind of kind of uh, fragmented? I think, well, okay. you know, after McMahon expanded the WWE everywhere and got rid of the territories, I, I wouldn't imagine it's too, uh, well, right now, especially with COVID, it's not too healthy. But we have a couple of groups. We have Chaotic Wrestling. We have Beyond Wrestling. 
we have the Northeast Championship Wrestling. Um, I think we have the MWF. Um, a lot of cities have their own little federations, and um, yeah, it it uh, it's pretty much the same people that uh, the same independent wrestlers. I think re- wrestle for most of those. They have to make some money too, you know. Is John and, Cena uh, like a local hero out there? Um. Well, yeah, we never see him obviously because he's too big now, you know. After yeah. I have his father on, I, I know his father pretty well, and we've had okay. his father on a few times. We actually, John Cena's father brought the two WWE belts that John had on my show, and there's pictures of me on my Facebook page. Uh, with with those two belts. Oh, nice. The spinner belt, you know, and 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 the other one. I can't remember the other one. Uh, look, a ten thousand dollar belt. Jeez. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean no, that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I always love, you know, when I'm able to talk to, um, you know, local celebrities and things. But in my area. You see, obviously I'm from New York, but that everyone just assumes that's the city. I actually live a little bit up from New York, um, and in my particular area, we don't really have a like a local celebrity wrestler. So I can't come on and say, "Oh, that's you know five one eight Pride right there," just you know, just like John Cena represents for West Newberry in the state of Massachusetts. We don't really have that in upstate New York, so uh, that would be kind of cool to be able to get in with the family uh, of somebody. But nah, can't be that lucky. There's a local restaurant here that uh, a Chinese restaurant. Mick Foley played his comedy act there, and I met John Cena Sr., the father, and we both attended that that show together a few years. Oh, ago. nice! So he's a Mick very Foley, nice Mick Foley's guy, a great cool. guy. I met him at um, I met him at uh, Icon's event out in Fargo, North Dakota, when I went out for the uh, Maui Madness event, and uh, it was him and Billy Gunn and a couple of others, and yeah, Foley's, Foley's a great guy. Yeah, it's, it's funny thing about Foley, because we've interviewed him four times over the years, but he was always in character as either Dude Love or Cactus Jack, uh-huh. uh, and we've never, and I saw him at another personal appearance more recently, maybe about, for, well, right before Bruno died, because we saw Bruno there, um, and I, I mentioned this to him. I said, you know, we've never really interviewed you as yourself, you know. So we've 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 done promos with him, I would say, four times, mm-hmm. but we've never really interviewed Foley as himself. That would be a great interview. You know, and the sad thing is about Mick Foley is he, uh, you know, he. Uh, you can definitely tell all the years of wrestling has had his toll the way he walks, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, he's still, but he wasn't guy, just a wrestler. I mean, he was, he was a glorified stunt man. I mean, you know, how many other guys are going to volunteer to take the dive off the cage that he took against the undertaker or some of those crazy physicality matches that he volunteered himself to be in, um, for, you know, for, for the betterment of the business and for the fans and everything like, nobody's going to volunteer to do that. I mean, I, I'm not surprised that his body is beat up. You look at an NFL player, uh, and, and, and an NFL player plays three seasons, four seasons in the NFL, and, and, and he's, he's all beat up. Foley did this for 15 years in some of the most brutal matches in history, so I'm not really surprised about that. 
you know, Ric Flair uh, said exactly what you just said to Foley about Foley in in his biography. And Foley and, and Flair, you probably know this, had a lot of heat between them because of that. Because he didn't respect Foley's ability. He just called him a glorified stuntman. I mean, I, I fully respect his ability. I'm just saying he's not your prototypical wrestler. I mean, if you look at a match and you put Mick Foley in the ring against, uh, I mean, I know his name is Taboo, and I shouldn't say the name at this point, but you look at, you know, a guy like a Chris Benoit, or you put him in against a, yeah. you know, a Dean Malenko, or you put him in against somebody who was, had technical prowess and could actually wrestle, I mean, Foley could do nothing. He had, what, a DDT? And, and you know, it was all he did? So, I mean, Foley right. got popular because of his outlandish matches, but I still do respect everything he did for the business and growing up in the attitude era myself um, and, and growing up watching that match live and crying in front of the television because I thought he died. Uh, I, I do, I do respect, uh, you know, everything he did in that regard, but I mean, Flair's not wrong either. Honestly. Oh, I, I, I get it. I just, I just wouldn't say that to him. Oh, no, not to him. No, of course. <laughs> no. But but my job as the heel character on this show is to say what I, I feel about him. So I, I, Icon's over here like, shh, shh, stop it. I'm like, no, no, I, I'm, I'm doing it, man. I'm going for it. I totally get Do you. Are you familiar with Evan Ginsberg? Uh, I've heard the name, yes. Yes, uh, he does that show, uh, um, uh, that wrestling show. Uh, I've been trying to get everything. him. As, yeah, I've been trying to get him as a guest on our show. Maybe you can hook me up with him. I can put in a good word for you for him. Uh, he's a really good friend of mine. He does a show with Buddy Sotelo called Wrestling and Everything, and it's a bit like your show in, in the sense that they have more things besides wrestling on as well. And he's a really good entertainment. He was the associate producer for the wrestler with Mickey Rourke. And he was also the associate producer for 350 Days, the documentary. So, and he really has the contacts. Nice. He's right in the heart of New York, New York City, you know. Hell of a guy. But we're, we uh, we call each other the, our brother from another mother because we we share the same opinions on a lot of things in and out of wrestling. Uh, Leonard Kaplan is our guest here. Uh, unfortunately, we only got about uh, three minutes left. Uh, and uh, like I say, you know, we do take time out of your schedule for joining us tonight. And, uh, you're awesome. And, uh, you know, um, there, there's there's uh, two guys that I would like to get on. If you have contacts with them, Ginsburg is one. And uh, Dave Meltzer is another. I don't have any contact with Dave Meltzer. Uh, never met, met, never met the man. Yeah, you know he's got uh, he's got kind of an interesting reputation in the business, but uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so well, he, he's, anyway. the, he's the man for the sheets, you know. Right. Exactly. So uh, we got we got about ninety seconds left. Uh, is there anything that? Uh, you want to uh, tell tell the fans uh, when uh, uh, what day of the week is your show? Uh, and this I already know what it is, but this is uh, I'm asking for the fans. Uh, 
what what uh, day of the week is your show, what it is, and uh, how they can catch it. Well, our show is called Wrestling Talk, and most of the shows that you can see are on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, Leonard Aaron, L-E-O-N-A-R-D, A-A-R-O-N. And if you have any requests for me to upload uh, certain guests that I've had, you can ask me on my Facebook page, Wrestling Talk, and uh, I'll do my best to accommodate you. And I want to say to everybody, my tagline at the end of the show, stay in the ring. And uh, real quick before you go here, uh, uh, fans that are listening, we are doing the contest. Uh, anybody that likes our page from the end of this show uh, to the beginning of uh, next week's show is uh, automatically qualified to win autographs from our guests from this week. And uh, hopefully uh, you might you yourself uh, – uh, Leonard might be able to send us a few autographs for giveaways for our promo that we're going to have in December. I'd be glad to do it. Awesome. I'll send you an address, and we appreciate it. And uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule. We uh, we we love everything you do, and we'll definitely have you back on again. Thank you very much. All right. Leonard Kaplan, ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the wrestling talk show legend. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that was cool. Awesome. So uh, uh, our next guest should be calling right in. I know that they've been uh, uh, itching at the bit to get on, so check the – let me know if they're there. Yeah, it's a um, 513, correct? uh, Let me make sure. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, you, you should yeah, know this. Okay. Well, yeah, I know, but uh, you know, a lot of people change their um, change their numbers before they come on compared to the numbers that I have. But yeah, that uh, should be our guess. Yes. All right. Are we still going to have time for? Are we still going to have time for the icon rant at some point in this show? Yes, at the end. Yes. Maybe we can go a little overtime, but because I definitely want to get this off my chest. Okay, well, yeah, and I definitely watch YouTube because I love Icon Rants. Okay, um, well then, let's do this. Let me put them through, and you do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, she has got to be the most beautiful woman wrestler to ever come out of Hawks Pro Wrestling Training School. Ladies and gentlemen, she puts the cat on the hot tin roof. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Kayla Roof. Hi. How are you? Hello. Hey, that is that's actually the first time I've ever gone by my shoot name. <laughs> well, would you would you prefer to use your shoot name or should we use your real name? Well, my shoot name is Kayla. My worker name is Shauna. <laughs> All right. Well, what would you prefer? How sh- how should we address you? Let's do uh, well because it's wrestling related. So let's just do Shauna. <laughs> Shauna. Okay. Well. Shana, All right, I wish I had a I wish I had a rewind sound effect I could hit. You could just do it again, but I don't have it queued up. <laughs> All good. All good. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, uh, then, Shauna. If you want to uh, uh, go ahead and read that liner I sent you, then we'll. Uh, 
then we'll have uh, some fun with the interview. There we go. Okay. Hey, this is Shauna Reed. You're listening to the Attitude Era live with the hosts, the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. Well, thank you very much, Miss Reed. It's very nice to have you. And uh, uh, I know that uh, you promised that if I stopped <clears throat> calling you at two in the morning, you drop the uh, you drop the restraining order. So I appreciate that. So uh, yeah. what we're gonna do here is if you give us a little background about yourself, and then we'll uh, have some fun with the interview. Okay. Um, well, I started wrestling about five and a half years ago um, out here in uh, Fairfield, Ohio, with uh, Cody Hawk, along with uh, Luchador Super Zeta. Um, and then within the past um, past three months, I graduated from um, Dustin Rhodes Wrestling Academy out in Texas. And um, just, you know, been traveling like crazy, uh, got a few opportunities with AEW this past few weeks, so that was awesome, and, you know, just just wrestling everywhere I can. Uh, Shana Reed's our guest here. we got uh, 26 minutes. Uh, what we'll do here is I'm going to ask a few questions, and then we'll have uh, Granny and that big swing, then we're going to come back, and I'm going to ask you the tougher questions. Uh, oh, my first question is, when you uh, when when you're when you're um, wrestling, um, do you consider yourself uh, to be a babyface, a heel, an in betweeny, or are you more of what the crowd thinks that you are? Um, that's actually like you said. You were going to wait to the tough questions later. <laughs> um, oh yeah, he, he is. Just, I very much both. I mean, um, I'm used very differently um, wherever I go. Places I'm heel, a lot of places I'm baby. But my character is a uh, a female with, like, split personalities. Like, I hear, like, you know, voices. So I'm very much, like, heel and baby a lot of places. So <laughs> it's pretty much whatever, if the crowd wants to boo me or if they want to cheer me. So we'll go from there. <laughs> well, with that being said, uh, Granny, we have a heel on our hands. What do you got for our guest? We have Shauna Reed. We got 25 minutes. Go ahead, Granny. What do you got? Well, first of all, hello, and thank you for being on our show. I, I'm not a wrestler. I'm just a big fan of the sport. But Granny don't like the heels. I could talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to. So I think you and if I was at one of your wrestling shows, I think I would have a lot of fun interacting with you. So. <laughs> Yeah, fine. Cause I would go right back at you. Those are that always makes our job easier. So definitely. Well, you know, I I, I could give you an example. Uh, there's a local uh, wrestling company in Springdale, Arkansas, where I live, and uh, there's one female wrestler. They call her the American Witch, Amer- uh, Erica Torres, and okay. uh, she was watching a, a match between. Uh, the women's champion, Killer Kate, against, um, oh, I can't remember the young lady's name that she was facing. And Erica was sitting out there, and and she says, Kate, what kind of champion are you? And I said, she's a better one than you are, Erica. So when Erica came out at the last show to talk to Kate, because she was going to be in a number one contendership match for the, the championship belt, I said, Erica, I said, remember last month when you said what kind of champion Kate was? And I said, she was the, a better champion than you were. 
and everybody in the in the building starts chanting, Granny, Granny, Granny. And Erica put her hands over her ears, and she's like, why are you cheering that old hag's name for? Why are you cheering her on? <laughs> so I, I guess one of my one of my questions to you is, um, if you could have a dream match, who would who would you? What kind of match would you want to have, and who would it be against? It could be past, present, whatever. It doesn't matter. Well. Um... I had just got fortunate enough to have one of my dream matches with Thunder Rosa uh, last week on AEW, so that was awesome. Um, but one of my dream matches that I was always wanted was uh, me versus AJ Lee. I think we could do some, have some magic together. I think our um, characters would work great together. Um, I'm just always been a big fan of her, so um, that would be awesome. That I'd like. Well, I know, you know, you mentioned AEW. Um, I have actually had a few of my wrestling friends actually do um, some matches on AEW from time to time here pretty recently. So I'm excited for you there. That That's pretty awesome. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And uh, Big Swing, uh, we have uh, we have Sean Reeves, our guest here. we got uh, 22 minutes. Now, uh, Big Swing, if you remember, uh, you know, uh, Shawna here, she's our, our second uh, guest to ever be on uh, AEW. Uh, do you remember who our first guest was before she was a star? I do. Uh, Kenzie Page, actually. And she she was, what, like 17 or something? And she was just right. um, just getting into the wrestling business, was just, you know, kind of starting to come into her own a little bit. Uh, and we were actually her first ever interview outside of, like, her little circle. And, uh, you know, her first ever, like, nationally syndicated interview. And a couple years later, this was, I think, what was it, Icon, like, the fall of this year, maybe the summer? Well, whatever her debut yep. was, I, I, I called Icon and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you got to turn on AEW. And he's like, well, why? What, you know, what happened? I was like, no, 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 dude, turn it on, turn it on. So he turns it on and I'm like, does that name look familiar? And she actually made her AEW debut, uh, you know, I think it was like a year to the day or something like that after talking to us. And, um, you know, Icon always asks this question, so get ready for it. He always says at the end of the show, you know, hey, if you ever make it big, if you go to WWE or whenever, you know, um, will you still be friends with us? Will you still talk to us? And um, she was like, oh, of course I will, blah, 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 blah. And we've, we've been in contact with her, and she's been on AEW. So, I mean, she kept her end of the bargain. But, but yeah, um, that, that, was, that was pretty cool uh, with, with that. So now we got another AEW. <laughs> Um, yeah, Shauna uh, Reed's our guest here. We have uh, uh, we have uh, 20 minutes now. Uh, there's uh, there's actually a couple fans uh, send us uh, send us some questions. Uh, I'm going to ask them, and I don't know if you'd be willing to ask answer them or not. So I'm going to ask them. If you don't want to answer them, just let me know, okay? Okay. Uh, first off, a question a fan asked was uh, uh, about uh, your big puppy dog. Is that your dog? Yeah, she's um she's not really big. She's a beagle lab mix, but she's the size of a beagle. 
And uh, how long you had her? Uh, she, I've had her for about five, six years. Oh, and she, she's such a sweetheart, isn't she? Oh, yeah, she's my baby. And uh, another fan asked, uh, they, uh, now this is coming from a fan, it's not from me, even though people think it's from me. Uh, apparently you, uh, you like uh, to take pictures of yourself in a bikini, is that true? I mean, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? There you go. I like taking pictures of myself in a bikini. I mean, who who doesn't like doing it? Well, right? the thing is, I'd rather, I'd rather see Sean Reed in a bikini than you, though. Uh, you know, just so. Oh. Now, uh, now, are you under contract with AEW, or do they just uh, call you whenever they need a good superstar? No, I'm not under contract um, with them. Hopefully in the future. Um, but, you know, I graduated from Dustin's training school, and he put in a good word, and then they emailed me and gave me an opportunity. So, so now if our fans wanted to see that match, is it available anywhere? Yeah, they're both on YouTube. Um, they're just it's AEW Dark, and then the, the one against Thunder Rosa actually premiered tonight on Elevation. So they can just go to uh, YouTube and see those. Now, uh, of course, we want fans to check it out. Uh, we don't want you to give away the results, but uh, uh, how did that match go? Let's as just far say as it went really action. well. <laughs> really well, okay. Yeah. And uh, now, uh, being in uh, AEW uh, Dark, uh, is it just like, uh, is it just like, you know, like a regular a, a regular production? Uh, do they have ring announcers and all that, or do they like, or do you like wrestle and they dub in the uh, audio commentary later? Um, no, they have ring announcers there. They have commentary dur- straight during it. Everything is there and filmed and done right then and there. And who is on commentary for you? Um, so my one against um, um, Thunder Rosa tonight was uh, formerly known as Big Show, but Paul. Um, Paul Wright and um, Tony Giovanni. And then um, last week was um, Taz, and um, I don't remember the other one. It wasn't Jim Ross? No. Uh, Ross only does Dynamite. Yeah. Okay. So so you have was it Was it a guy by the name of Excalibur? Is he a man? Commentator. and very well might have been. I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I, I didn't pay attention to that one. <laughs> well, I, there, is, there is a mass commentator that sometimes yeah. um, commentates with Taz, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe his name is Excalibur or something like Probably. that. Yeah. So now you have, so you have met the, the big show and uh, Tony Giovanni. Yes, I've I've met the Big Show a few times prior when I was doing WWE extra stuff, but um, getting to see him and having him commentate my match at AEW was pretty pretty amazing. Have you ever listened to any of Tony Giovanni's podcasts? I have not. What happened um, when? <laughs> WWE um, so once... Mondays. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, <laughs> Please don't do that I, again. I well, hey, that's that's the way his show starts. That's the way he does it. It's not my. I, I'm sure he does a little better than that, but okay. 
And uh, because of his wife, she got his, the uh, new terminology called slap dicks. But anyway, we'll we'll talk about that later. So now, when you're um, when you when you're uh, wrestling now, you're you're obviously uh, do would like to go full time with AEW. But uh, I guess my question is, and I do ask all the independent wrestlers this: if you were offered that big time contract by AEW or WWE. Is that something that you would definitely want to do? Uh, you know, because when you're an independent, you you know you control your own destiny, you do what you want. When you're with AEW or WWE, they say you can do this, you can't do this, this and that. What is your thought on that? Um, I mean, um, definitely, if I was offered a contract, I would definitely take it um, from either company. I've been fortunate enough to to go to both and work for both just as extras and enhancement talent. So, I mean, I'm definitely not going to say no when someone like can do a freaking multi-million dollar contract potentially. Um, but I mean, I'm a very, I feel like I'm a very creative person and um, I like to, you know, write my own promos. I like to do all this. So um, I know at AEW, they let you, um, they give you a lot of creative freedom. Um, WWE, I know not so much, um, but I mean, you get signed for how many years, then make your name out there, make your money. Um, and then, you know, when the time comes and it's, you're released or you retire from those companies, you know, that's when you can go out and um, go back on the indies or even retire with, if you made enough money, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> um, I think I, yeah, I definitely take one if, if a contract came my way. I mean, why wouldn't you, you know, I mean, that's, that's icon. That's almost like, Hey, you know, do you want to play in the G league or play in the NBA? You know, I mean, do you want to play Canadian football or play in the NFL? I mean, it's, it's, of course they're going to take that contract if it comes their way. I would imagine anyway. You know, um, with, with that, with that being said, uh, now when you do get that big, uh, big contract, will you not big time with some still be our friend to still talk to us? Only if you don't call me at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I promise. I, look, I promise I was going to stop doing that. I, you know. <laughs> well, then, deal. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Now, speaking of that, uh, and um, uh, fans know that we do have a contest going on. Uh, anybody that likes our, sh- our, our show page, Author Ropes on Facebook, from the end of this show to the beginning of next show, is automatically qualified to win autographs from uh, the guests from this week from the uh, – well, basically from any week, but would you be willing to send us some autographs for some giveaways? Um, yeah, I can definitely see what I got. All right. Well, we'll take anything. You know, uh, you know, if you want to, you want to sign uh, index cards or uh, you know business cards or uh, um, um, I think the icons are jackass cards. Whatever it may be, we'll uh, you know we'll we'll take whatever we can. Okay, huh. definitely. Uh, of course, I haven't seen any of those cards yet, but uh, I'm sure they're out there. Uh, Shauna reads our guest here. We have uh, 12 minutes. Now, of course, I do have a, a one ego question for you. Uh, oh, boy. You know, the Icon the icon made you a cool collector's card. What was your thought on that? No, yeah, that was awesome. I, uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, definitely. I like it. And, uh, you know, the other ego question I have is uh, your introduction uh, for the show, was that not the best in-ring introduction you've ever had to this point? 
you know what? It was definitely different than I've ever had, and it was pretty awesome. So, yes, kudos. Because I guess my next question is, you know, if you ever want to be uh, like what El- Alberto Del Rio used to do when he had his own personal ring announcer, I'll come carry your bags and be your ring announcer for you. <laughs> Perfect. We'll talk business. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, now, uh, we won't just spend too much time on this because uh, we, know, we know it sucks. But, uh, you know, COVID is a thing, and we know this. Uh, how has COVID affected uh, your career and affected your area where you're at? Um, okay, well, I'm in Cincinnati. And, um, I mean, it pretty much shut everything down, which killed um, I was, you know, I had a bunch of, I had a bunch of bookings. I was actually booked throughout like almost the whole year already that, well, I was booked out through the whole year in 2020 and to lose all those bookings absolutely sucked. Um, and then, cause a lot of those bookings were like a lot of how I was paying my bills. Um, I am a nurse also. So um, my like, you know, shoot life, like, when the pandemic hit, like work was insane. Um, but then there was a point where they were potentially letting a lot of us nurses go. Um, so that was a struggle. So, I mean, I'm glad the pandemic is starting to, you know, I wouldn't say it's ever going to be gone. Um, but I mean, at least it's starting to open up a little bit. We, we here in Ohio, we are allowed to have 25% capacity, which in our shows, which is barely anything, but at least you know it's something. So, and uh, I just I just gotta ask because I'm a big uh, Buckeyes fan myself. Let's see if you can do it. Oh, I O. There you go. There you go. I I am a big Buckeyes fan, and uh, for all you Alabama fans, we're coming for you next season. Just ask Clemson what happens when you beat us the year before. We take your ass out the next year. Anyway, uh, back to back to uh, Shauna Reed. Here's our guest. Here we have uh, uh, nine minutes. Uh, so, do you know when your uh, next match is? And uh, if you do, when is it? Where is it? And who might be against? If you know. Um, well, I've got actually three matches this um, upcoming week. So Friday, I ha- I'm double booked. I am wrestling in Hamilton, Ohio, at FCW. Um, I don't know my opponent yet. Um, and then I have to skedaddle from there and go down to Addison, Ohio, um, for Battle of the Border for, um, and I'm wrestling Amazing Maria James. And then the next day I'm, is Battle Border again in Aurora, Indiana. And they don't, I don't know who my opponent is for that yet. Now, uh, so, um, with what you're doing now, uh, do you, uh, uh, do you plan on doing a lot of traveling then, or do you uh, pretty much stay around the Ohio area then? Oh, no. I travel, like, insane. Um, I actually just got back from uh, Texas yesterday again. Uh, they flew me out to Texas to wrestle. So, and then I think next week I'm Tennessee. So, like, it's I'm very much traveling like crazy, so... You know, we eventually got to get you down here to Fargo, North Dakota for Puffamania. Uh, we have a little wrestling promotion here in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. We got to try and get you down here for that sometime before uh, you get that uh, that uh, 15-year contract with AEW. 
All right, sounds like a plan. Now speaking of uh, speaking of AEW, uh, now you know you know you mentioned that you're not under contract with them, and you do want to try and get that contract with them. Have they let you know uh, uh, when your next show with them might be, or is it just like uh, uh, they call you, you go? It's pretty much they call you, you go. All right. Now, now I don't want to say you don't want to answer this question, but you know you mentioned you got three bookings this weekend. Uh, let's say that uh, A and W calls you tomorrow, and uh, they say, "Well, hey, we need you here uh, Saturday." Uh, and you know you already have those two bookings. Uh, do you do the AEW thing, or do you go where you were previously booked? How, how would you How would you determine that? No, no. Um, I think anybody realizes like um, if AEW or, you know, WWE called and said they needed me here this day, um, any, I feel like any independent wrestling promoter or promoter understands that where they're like, okay, uh, you have to go to that, you know? Like, it's not um, just like, hey, I'm canceling your booking for another booking in the area or another booking somewhere else with AEW or WWE or even, you know, uh, Japan or, you know, anything like that. Like, I think it's a bit of a different yeah. So, um, if AEW ever called me and said, hey, I need you here this day and I'm booking them, tell the promoter where I'm already booked that, hey, I'm sorry, but I got to go do this. This is my future, you know, so. And I'm just kind of curious, when when you were, uh, of course, you know, AEW, because of COVID, you know, they don't allow fans in the stands. I understand this. Uh, but when you were when you were first backstage at your first AEW appearance, what went through your mind? What were you thinking? Were, were you completely at awe? Kind of take us through that a little bit. Well, I mean, I was terrified, so that, uh, that you know, was, a thing and um i kind of had a little heads up on who i was wrestling that night um i was wrestling Britt baker my first night so i was like oh god um like so i kind of already was a little stressed out with that and i never i only did you know extra talent stuff with wwe um like being in the back and stuff like that so and and little skits so i never really got the uh opportunity to like actually work on a bigger stage and all I wanted to do was, you know, go out there and make Dustin proud, make, uh, like, try to, you know, prove I belong there as well. But um, so it was a very nerve-wracking thing. And it was, I mean, but then throughout the day, it was pretty amazing. Like, you see how laid back everybody is and how friendly a lot of the big people are. So it got a little bit better. Shauna uh, reads our guest here. Of course, we only have uh, four minutes left. I wish we had four, you, we, you for four more years, but uh, you know, um, we uh, we have fans listening that are definitely going to um, uh, are definitely going to be following you now, um, and uh, hopefully that uh, you know when uh, you get that uh, when you get signed by uh, AEW, uh, you'd be willing to come back on with us. Uh, either before your appearance or after your appearance or, you know, whatever it is, or you can be like Jerry Lawler, be on the cell phone with us when you're doing in the ring, you know, uh, we, we would love to have you do that for us if you would. Oh yeah, definitely. We got to get, I'll see if I ever even get that contract, but I mean, definitely. 
You know, and the other thing I was going to ask about being backstage at AEW, you know, you mentioned Tony Schiavone and uh, Big Show were your uh, were the commentators, and then you know you met them. Uh, did you, you know, I I myself would be at awe. You know, um, did you like holy? Were you like holy crap? That's the Big Show, or like oh my god, Tony Schiavone, or you know. Did that ever cross your mind, or like uh, it was just like business as usual? Um, no, uh, I've met Big Show quite a few times prior, like when I did WWE extra stuff. So I knew, so um, we kind—I'm not gonna like—we kind of knew each other a little bit. So I knew him. So I mean, but, but Paul's huge. Like he's so big, and I mean, so it's hard to even if you know the guy, not to be in awe of just how like huge he is. Um, and then with Tony, um, I mean, I was, I've always been a fan of his work and his commentating and just him in general. But, um, like, I mean, I think I've been around for a while that I, like, I know, like, that these workers are just, like, people just like us now. And um, so I don't think I was, like, in, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to mark out over Tony Schiavone. So, but uh, he was still a pretty cool guy, so. You know, because, you know, like me, uh, you know, I, I know I was at awe when I met Mick Foley. And, uh, you know, you can ask, you can just ask Big Swing if he were to uh, if you were to get the opportunity to meet Edge, he'd act, he'd act like he dropped acid. I guarantee it. Oh, Edge yeah. or Edge or Alexa Bliss. Oh, not hey, creepy, not, not creepy, like, not creepy Halloween Alexa Bliss, like the, the normal Alexa Bliss. Uh, speaking of that, uh, I, that's something else I have to mention uh, before we go off the air, probably the overtime session if we have it. Uh, I have a heat with one of the people that you just mentioned, so we'll talk about oh, that boy. in a while. But uh, So, uh, Shauna Reed's our guest here. We got about 60 seconds. Fans want to check you out and see what you're doing. You got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe, uh, a restraining order. What do you got? <laughs> well, I have Facebook. Uh, I'm working on making another like page. So, um, But you can still find me on Facebook at Shauna, just Shauna Reed. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Shauna Reed 93, Instagram, Shauna underscore Reed. And then you can just find me on YouTube by typing in my name in the search bar. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Shawnee, you're awesome. And uh, I, if you could, I sent you an address. If you could send us a few autographs, we'd be, we'd be more than appreciative. And we'll definitely have you back on again. And I promise I will stop calling you at 2 in the morning. Because now I know what time zones <laughs> are. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Shawnee. You have a good night. Appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Thanks. All right, Sean Reed, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Um, so uh, I think we might be doing this rapid fire. I think our um, I think our next guest uh, is calling in here shortly. I think uh, uh, they're on. If it's a six one five, you're looking for, they're on now. All right. Let me uh, let me make sure. Uh, yeah, that would be our next guest. So if you want to go ahead and put them through, uh, we will uh, we will go ahead and uh, talk to them. Okay, and here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, 
Not only is he going to bring the laughs, he's also going to bring the goodies. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the coolest comedian in the world today. He is Steve Goody. Hey, this is Steve Goody. You're listening to The Attitude here alive with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Grady Hoekster. Actually, this is Shauna Reed. I'm sorry. I I take it all back. Oh, okay. (laughs) So how are you doing? Good to have you, buddy. Oh, it's good to be here. It's good to get a message from you guys every five minutes. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Hi. Well, there you go. Well, hey, at least uh, least you weren't getting uh, calls at 2 in the morning, right? (laughs) Not from you, anyway. Yeah. Right, right. right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Steve Goody's our guest here. We have uh, 39 minutes, and uh, Big Swing will allow us to, if we can go overtime, maybe a little overtime on that, uh, we'll we'll figure that out. But um, uh, here's what Yeah, we're we can go a little bit. I mean, we can't go crazy over just because, like I said, we do we do have the FM stuff we have to put on. But, but yeah, we, I can go probably a little bit over. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, you want to give us a quick little background about yourself, and then uh, we'll have some fun with the interview. Okay, I just want you to know, if this is going 39 minutes, I need to pee, so we're, I'm going to talk faster than usual. Uh, okay, I'm Steve go Goody. Ahead. I, live, <laughs> I live in Nashville. I was born in Chicago, so I'm confused right off the bat. Uh, I do funny songs. I'm the host at the iconic Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee, on Sundays, at least when there's not a pandemic. I am. I run my own recording studio. I record my own songs and other people's songs, and I've put out over 30 albums of goofy crap since 1993. <laughs> I'm very, very old, in case that wasn't really clear. Uh, and now you can ask me things because I've run out of biography. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, we uh, we had a good uh, a good friend of yours or an acquaintance of yours on last week, Brad Tassel. Brad Tassel, that guy still owes me money. Nah, Brad's fine. Well, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, he did make good on the autographs he was supposed to send us, though. No, well, that's good. So uh, now you uh, you know you uh, do uh, you do a lot of stuff in the entertainment industry. Uh, what is uh, you know you mentioned that you uh, record songs and everything. Uh, how many different uh, albums have you put off over the years? Uh, I believe it's thirty three, and I'm working on number thirty four now. I've, I've kind of lost track, but it's somewhere in there. And uh, are they uh, are they still available at some place like on yes. Amazon or out of print? Well. Some are on Amazon, some are on iTunes, but the whole collection in its entirety is available on my website. That's stevegoody.com. Stevegoody.com. And what is uh, what is your favorite one that you've done? The favorite uh, album or favorite yeah. song? Oh, uh, wow, jeez, they're all equally stupid. Um, let me see. Let me look at a list of them. Sorry, I didn't know this was going to come up. Let's see. Where are my albums? I think. Well, who am I kidding? The latest one is always the best one. Uh, no, that's not quite true. I think my favorite one that I've ever put out is called What and Quit Showbiz, because that's got more songs on it that I still play live than I think any other album I've ever done. And if I can do them live and still find them funny and still get laughs from other people, then I think you've got a winner. All right. Uh, Steve Goody's our guest here. We've got about 36 minutes. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to ask you a few questions. And then we'll go to Granny, and then we'll go to Big Swing, and then we'll come back to me. I'm going to ask you the tougher question. Oh, okay. Okay. Is any of this going to be on the final? Yes, yes all of it. It is, as a matter of fact. Uh, name, name and date on the top of the page, please. All right. So now you uh, you also uh, – your your main forte is comedy, correct? I think so. You tell me. Okay. Has this been vaguely amusing? 
<laughs> well, well, I guess my first question is, uh, you know, doing uh, doing the comedy stuff that you do, what uh, is the – do you have a favorite venue that you've been to? And uh, who uh, who have you uh, opened for and uh, headlined for? Oh, man. Okay. Um, I think my favorite stand-up comedy venue I've ever played was a place, was a place called Charlie Goodnights uh, in uh, North Carolina. And I don't even know if they're still there. The last time I played there was decades ago. They're one of the first places in the universe to have a non-smoking night and then become completely non-smoking. And, uh, you know, most places are non-smoking now. That sounds weird that, that a place would have smoking. But, yeah, that used to be the way it was. You'd, you'd get up on stage with your jokes and just breathe in the cancer from the entire audience. Uh, that was how it was in the late 80s and early 90s. And now nobody even remembers that. Charlie Goodnights was a trendsetter uh, on that score and a whole lot of others. They were just really good to their talent and their clientele were awesome audiences every night. You know, you might expect a really good crowd on a Saturday night in a regular comedy club. The Monday night show at Charlie Goodnights was just as good as the late show on Friday or the early show on Saturday, whichever one happens to be your favorite. So if they're still there, and if you live in North Carolina and you're listening to this, go to Charlie Goodnight. Support them. Keep them going because they deserve it. If they're still there, if they're not, don't worry about it. What was well, the other you know, question? the interesting thing is I, I've heard of Charlie Goodnight, and, and unfortunately they're only open now Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. They're closed Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday now. Yeah, a lot of clubs have gone to that, particularly during a pandemic. Um, hopefully that will change again when things open up a little bit. You might be able to get in there another night of the week. But, hey, be glad they're there any nights of the week and go those nights. Now, if you could, uh, you know, you mentioned you have a, you have a, a album that you're working on right now. Uh, could you kind of tell us a little bit about uh, when it'll be released, uh, how many tracks you got on it, and uh, the tracks sure. that you really uh, would want people to uh, gravitate to? <laughs> okay, I'll try. Um, now, you see, I asked a bunch of questions all in a row, and I can't remember what the first one was. Uh, I think it'll come out in about three months. I do an album a year. I write a song about a song a month, and I post it on a on a funny music website called thefump.com. That's F-U-M-P. It stands for the Funny Music Project. So thefunnymusicproject.com or thefump.com is where you can find songs before they've come out on an album to get I get a little feedback and I get them out there while they're still fresh. Um, usually I get my albums out in January, having having done a whole slew of songs the previous year. I release them as an album. But last year, being a pandemic and all, I write an off wrote an awful lot of songs about trying not to get sick and and my feelings about the administration and nobody really wants to hear about any of that stuff so i'm writing more stuff and recording more stuff and i'll probably get halfway through this year before it gets out so that's a bit of an anomaly and maybe i'll catch up uh, and get another one out in january 2022 but who knows as far as uh funny songs that i think are worth listening to the, the one that i wrote recently that has nothing to do with the pandemic or anything else is a parody of eddie money's uh um two tickets to paradise because that again that's how old i am I wrote a parody called uh, Two Chickens with Parasites. I think it's a riot. It's about going down food food poisoning. uh, Steve Goody's our guest here. We have uh, 32 minutes. And if you, you know, I don't know if you're serious now, but if you do need to take a little bathroom break, uh, I can (laughs) can still. I I just did it already. I'm fine. I did it while we've been talking. Okay. I I can be like my other nickname, Phil Time. Uh, (laughs) Steve Goody's our guest. Well, I'll tell you what, first, Steve, I'm going to introduce you to Granny Hoaxer. Uh, You know, if she likes you, she'll bake you cookies. If she doesn't like you, uh, like like a guy by the name of Sylvester J. Fox, she'll hit you with her cane. Go ahead, Granny. What do you got for our guest, Steve Goody? Go ahead. 
Well, uh, it's been uh, thanks for being on, and uh, it's a very, been a very enjoyable interview with you. I've really enjoyed well, listening to the interview so far. Thanks. What made you decide you wanted to do stand-up comics? Well, it's kind of a sickness that begins early in life, and you don't really realize what's going on. I think I, I first started wanting to be funny when I was reading Mad Magazine at the age of 10 or so. Are you guys fans of Mad Magazine? I'm going to assume you're all going yes. Uh, they yeah, used to I put Mad Magazine. <laughs> they used to put uh, full scripts of classic comedy sketches in the magazine, along with all the other stuff. And at one point, when I was ten and my little brother was seven or something like that, we found the entire transcript to Who's on First, Abbott and Costello, and we memorized the whole thing as a ten-year-old and a seven-year-old, and we would perform it for the family. We would, we would beg them, can we do Who's on First for everybody at Thanksgiving? And they would say. Sure, go ahead. I'm sure it was pathetically adorable. And then we got a little better at it as the years went on. We, we had it memorized, and we got the, the pacing a little better. Our, our voices changed. That helped. And, uh, and, and it came to a point where the family would actually request it at Thanksgiving. They'd say, hey, you guys want to do who's on first? And you know how kids are. We would say, no, because kids are awesome. Uh, and that's how I got my first taste of being funny in front of people and then resenting people who want you to be funny. Uh, well, you know, it's funny how you mention that because uh, every time I want to do uh, – comedy at a, at a family gathering, they say, no! Right. Yeah. Well, see, it's the wrong place for it. The one place you shouldn't try to do comedy is in your house, which is why starting in 2017, I started doing comedy house concerts, because I was having more and more trouble getting booked in comedy clubs. I blame ageism. Thank you very much. And I found, I got a lot of musician friends who play house concerts just doing music. They bring their cello or their, or their uh, barbershop quartet, and they go to people's homes, and everybody sits down, and they have cheese and a beverage, and they perform in their home, and then people tip them and buy their CDs and such. And I thought, well, if they can do that with music, I can do that with comedy, right, which goes against everything you learn about comedy. You don't do jokes in the kitchen. You don't. When your mom at Thanksgiving says, hey, do that funny joke you told me the other day about the gynecologist. No. No, you go to the comedy club for jokes and you stay here for food. That's the way it works, Mom. Well, I've turned that all on its head, and I've been doing house concerts until, you know, a pandemic. But I will do them again, gosh darn it, because I'm not very bright. Uh, Steve Goody's our guest here. We've got 29 minutes here. Uh, uh, Grady, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt uh, what you're doing. Do you have any other questions? No, I'm good. <laughs> all right. I guess well, I did Steve, real I'm well. I'm going to introduce you to our resident club owner and uh, DJ, uh, Big Swing. Big Swing, what do you got for our guest? Steve Goody, go ahead. Wait, club owner? I wish yeah. I had a club. Wait, comedian? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I wish. Well, I wish I had a club. Um, well, so who – I mean, this, this is a business where some people – you know, they, they they get started in a bunch of different ways. Um, did you have any anybody that you looked up to that you kind of modeled your comedy style after as you were coming up? Did you say, oh, hey, you know, this person really resonates with me, and when you got on stage, you sort of kind of channeled that a little bit, or is this all unique you? Well, it's, fun. it's a weird question, which I've had before, and I think most comedians will say, I am not channeling anybody because we're really trying very hard not to steal anything. Um, it's real hard to have heard a bunch of comedy and not let it leak out every now and then because sometimes something will sneak into your bit and you forget that you got that from somewhere else. 
someone else. So we all try very hard not to acknowledge. We acknowledge people we admire, but we don't ever acknowledge borrowing a style or developing our, our particular voice from taking from someone else. That being said, I love all the classics, Bob Newhart, Johnny Carson, David Letterman, Richard Pryor, uh, George Carlin, uh, of course, Weird Al Yankovic, because I do music and such, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and Weird Al Alan Sherman and that. Um, I love all of them, and I and I think I've learned from all of them. But when you ask, is my style based on any of them? I will say no, and I will say that to my death. That's all. Oh, right. um, now, when you, what, what is the thing that you, I guess, enjoy most about stand up? Because I know it, it can be very rewarding, and having been on stage before, not in comedy, but for other things, and Getting the crowd to respond and getting the getting getting the response you're looking for out of the crowd uh, is is one of the best feelings in the world. When you get you know anywhere from a hundred to a thousand people, you know you tell you tell them put your hands up. They put their hands up. You know from a music thing like you know what I mean. You you, you want them to laugh. They laugh. Um, is there anything that that you love the most about? Comedy, like why? Why do you? Why did you choose to to do this? And what's the most stressful thing about it? Well, what you just said is sort of the answer I might give. Um, the power you feel of of being on. You're the only one with a microphone. You're only you're the only one facing that direction. Everybody else is facing the other direction. You're special. You got the lights on you. You've got more amplification than everybody else. It does it does have a bit of a high to it for the egomaniac like me and apparently like you. Um, but there's also there's more to it. I think. Uh, comedy is the only art form where you get a response immediately and you count on the response. And if you don't get it every few seconds, you are failing. It is, it is going very badly unless you get feedback of the correct sort every few seconds. Uh, and the pressure of that is enormous, but also the reward, as you just said. It's, it's very rewarding to get that right. And you know you're a comedian if you can get it wrong 20 times and keep coming back, bombing and bombing and bombing, keep coming back, because you know you can do this, there's a way to do this, I will keep suffering and embarrassing myself in front of my peers and strangers and my family until I get it right. And uh, one good night will outlast 20 bad nights. And if you're, if you're actually a comedian or a performer of anything that's funny, not just stand-up, sketch, music, whatever's funny, if, if you keep coming back to it even when it's not working, then you are probably the person who should be doing that. Uh, and what you just said about whether you can get 100 people or 1,000 people to react, hey, try it with five people over Zoom. That's especially exciting, and I've been doing that this year. Um, I, for a while there, I had a whole bunch of gigs that were booked for April, May, June of last year, and they all got canceled, obviously, but about two-thirds of them got rebooked as Zoom things, and I found a way to actually make that work, and some of them were attended by 30, 40, 50 people, which is a lot on a Zoom call, as you may know. Uh, it's hard to keep that all under control, and then some of them were only one or two people, which is easier to control but more depressing, but I found there's something advantageous about getting to do your show from your house every single time for different audiences. It feels a little bit more like I'm guessing what it would be like to have a talk show where you do a monologue because you're in the same spot every night and you develop a groove for that even with different audiences. And you can the, the atmosphere is just different than going to a different club every day or every week uh, and having to set, set stuff up, tear it down. There's, there's a comfort in doing it right from your home and then broadcasting it out there. Um, so I will actually kind of miss that, although I've missed a live audience much more than I will ever mm. miss doing Zoom shows. But there's been a lot to learn from that, and I think uh, it's a lot of comedians I know 
did not take advantage of that. They they thought, no, nah, that can't work. I will just wait this out. And I and I feel like they missed an opportunity, a, a dangerous opportunity. But if comedy isn't dangerous, then it's not comedy. So I think I've answered way more than you asked. <laughs> and probably yes, but that's that's yeah. awesome though. Um, and I guess I guess the last thing, because I kind of know you're chomping at the bit. Um, this is a very weird time that we're in, especially for for people who who want to be funny, who have a who have a certain sense of humor and look at things maybe a different way in their mind than the the average society does. Being a radio guy myself, being in sports talk radio, um, I have to be very very careful and. You know, you notice sometimes I have small pauses in between what I'm saying because I have to think it over because you say the wrong thing one time and boom, your life and career is over. Do you have to sort of tailor your act to the sensitivity that's in this society nowadays or do you go out and do your thing and, and not really not really care about the, the cancel culture? You know, it's a question I've heard a lot and what – I've heard a couple comedians answer this in, in a more public forum, and I, I agree with what many of them said, which is this isn't any different than it's always been. You can always ruin everything by saying the wrong thing, um, but you can also ruin everything by being so careful that you never say the really funny thing. And there's comedians who have been extremely successful by pushing that envelope, by, by crossing that line on purpose. Uh, and some have gone down in flames, and, and perhaps we haven't even heard of them because they did such a good job of destroying everything. And then some of them, uh, we're real, real careful, and then there, in my I could name some names, but let's not do that. Uh, some people have gotten so middle of the road that what I really loved about them earlier in their career just disappeared when they got some fame and success. And then there's the ones, you know, Carlin is a great example. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, so, I love he's my favorite of all time, George Carlin. I just don't yeah. see George Carlin's style being successful nowadays when everybody is so sensitive about every little thing. I think George Coleman would have picket signs and riots outside of his shows, unfortunately. And, you know, there'd be Twitter movements to shut him down and all this stuff, even though I love him. I just think that society today, something like his kind of act wouldn't work. I, I got to disagree with you and on a couple of okay. a couple of reasons. First of all, there are many um, eras of George Carlin, as you may recall. When he started, he was yes. super clean, wearing a suit and tie like everybody else. Then he kind of got the hippy-dippy thing going. Then he got a little bit more edgy and, and had started examining cultural stuff and religion and, uh, and getting really edgy. And then toward the end of his life, he was so grumpy. You know, I think he, the MGM grand people were – I think that's the hotel in Vegas where he had a standing gig. They came to him and said, can you be a little less bleak? <laughs> they didn't fire him, but they, they were real close. You know, people would like to laugh occasionally during your show, and he was so busy really just um, saying his truth. And not that there weren't any laughs in there. There were lots of laughs in there, but it wasn't yeah, – he, he did get very preachy towards the end. I'll give you that. Yeah, um, and I think I think George would have carried on. If, he, if he'd had the, the energy and the life expectancy of a, of a turtle and was still at it, um, he would carry on through this just like people – uh, Bill Maher carries on. Um, he's the first one that came to mind. There's there's a lot of edgy comics. If Ralphie May was still with us, he would still be doing this. He pushed it so hard um, and would continue to do so. And, and I think you can't cancel the career of someone whose career isn't depending on you not canceling them. Comedians who are underground, who, are, who don't have TV shows that they have to keep up ratings, they're just doing their comedy in comedy clubs. Uh, unless you do something that's criminal um, and borderline Louis C.K., I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I don't true. know. I'm, I'm really on the on the fence with him. Uh, but if if in your act is if that's the only issue, not in your private life, 
the things you say on stage are the only things people are complaining about and you're and you're being a good citizen otherwise I think if you are a smart comedian and you stay in your lane, which is comedy clubs and real audiences, and if you get TV, great. If you get movies, great. But that's not the main thing. The main thing is to entertain a comedy club audience or a, or a stadium if you can manage that. But that's still, that's still a comedy thing. That's not TV. That's not movies. That's comedy. Mm-hmm. Comedy still has room for that. And I, I think we call it cancel culture, but we've had cancel culture. We just didn't call it that. Since the 50s, since people are getting blacklisted for, for associating or even being alleged to associate with communists, you know, for, uh, from Lenny Bruce onward, people have always – the Smothers Brothers, a classic case. Their TV show gets canceled because they were too controversial, criticizing the Vietnam War and similar things. Um, so that was a serious cancellation. Then the Dixie Chicks, you know, depend, regardless of how you feel about the things they said, people have been – getting canceled when they are famous forever and that's not right then or now but what's also not right is to back down if your comedy is something you mean from the heart and it's making people laugh awesome that was actually a uh, an awesome response <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. I'm with uh steve goody's our guest here we got uh, 20 minutes here left with steve uh, i love this countdown we gotta we gotta endure 20 more minutes of steve all right carry on <laughs> well, no, that's that's just regular time. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get you over a little overtime too, man. We're gonna make it so that people have to download the rest wow. of the show to hear that's the neat. tough question I'm gonna ask you. Okay. Oh God, here we go. But uh, I want to kind of I, I kind of want to kind of piggyback on what uh, Big Swing asked. I'm gonna kind of ask a different question, uh, oh or maybe the same question a different way. But do you <laughs> think uh, political correctness has affected? Uh, comedy nowadays, as a whole, well, or him? Well, no, just as a whole. As a whole, okay. So, I think, again, I, I go. That's another phrase that, like cancel culture, we think is new, but it's not new. It, we just got a different flavor of it right now. People being careful about saying this. We say this behind closed doors, but we don't say it in public. Uh, we'll say this if we're trying to sell you a car. We'll sell. You, we'll say this if we're trying to sell you a soft drink. Um, I, I think the attitudes of your audience change and your comedy needs to change with that if your goal is to make that audience laugh. But your goal isn't simply to make them laugh. If, you are a, if you're a serious comedian, you also want to make them have a different experience than they have with anyone else. And sometimes that means you want to make them think. Sometimes it means you make them want to be shocked. But whatever that thing is, audiences are paying you to either shock them or make them think or something beyond just a uh, ha-ha-ha dog and pony show. Um, this isn't this isn't the Lucy show where she gets you know she's putting she's on an assembly line and try and it's funny when she can't keep up. People want more than that. No, nothing against Lucy, she was classic. Uh, so, Lucy. as I as I said to the earlier question, uh, I don't. We think it's real different now. I don't think it's that different. It's just a different flavor of the same problem, which is people don't know when to be comfortable and not. And in a comedy club, mm-hmm. you should the glove should be off in a comedy club. If you walk into a comedy club. Expect something to offend you, and expect to roll with it. You know, if you don't like it, you don't have to laugh, but you don't. You also don't have to storm out and expect your money back, or try to cancel someone's <clears> career. People are people on that stage are trying to find the pulse but the fact of that is, moment is, is, in that culture. I'm sorry they to cut you off. But the, the, the fact okay. is that's what happens, though. You see, in this society nowadays, somebody's offended by something, they may not storm out, but they'll go on Twitter. And they'll, they'll, you'll be trending about, oh, you're a homophobe, you're a racist, you're this, you're that. 
it, it'll start gaining steam, start gaining traction. And next thing you know, these gigs are going to look at this and go, yo, we're getting negative backlash on this guy. You know, we can't book him without, you know, trouble. And next thing you know, it snowballs into those things because one person is offended by one stupid joke that you said. Uh, they can ruin a career. Like social media, I know, I know that cancel culture is a little bit different nowadays than it's been. It's the same, but it's also different. But social media is what's killing that. I mean, you, you could do a show in San Francisco and be banned from a comedy club in New York because somebody tweeted about something that they didn't like that you said, and next thing you know, the entire country thinks you're you know, a bigot or a racist or a this or a that, and you won't get another show. So that's, that's I, the I, problem with today's society. I don't see that happening very, very often. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay still has a career. You know what I'm saying? He People does. expect. Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't know. Who, who has been canceled? Who has said something well, homophobic well, and everybody says, well, I can't go to the show anymore? I haven't seen it in stand-up comedy yet, and, I, and I'm happy That's about that saying. because, because yeah. I love stand-up comedy. But I'm seeing it with TV shows. I'm seeing it with radio personalities. I'm seeing it with music artists. You know, I'm seeing it with different things, and I just hope yeah. that the, the last great American – you know, hope that we have a stand-up comedy doesn't fall victim to this. Because I love stand-up. I think, so. I think what I'm hearing from you, and again, this is just my opinion, I think you're yeah. overstating it a little bit. Um, okay, I, I think comedians who are, who are true comedians, who are out there to, to push the line a little bit and get people to laugh in, in an uncomfortable way sometimes, they're not, they're not suffering any more than they ever have. There's always that risk that somebody might take something wrong and in one way or another hurt your career. But if you're doing what you mean to be doing, people like Janine Garofalo, people like uh, Ray Romano, who you might not think is edgy, but I've heard him say a few things uh, 20 years ago that he might think about, hmm, I can't believe I said that. I've got stuff in songs, and I've been going through my catalog lately and and seeing what's problematic. There's little things scattered throughout songs I've written that if I had had it to to do it again, I would change it a little bit just because – not because I'm afraid of being canceled because if you're you're not famous, you can't really be canceled, Uh, Mm -hmm. but because – our sensibility as a culture has changed, mine included, and I wouldn't change it because somebody's demanding that I do so or that it, it will affect my, uh, my checking account, just because, hmm, I'm surprised I said that. If it was me now, I would say it differently. I think that's gross. I think, I think that's, there's a good side and a bad side to all of this, and I'm, and I'm, ha- I'm happier mm-hmm. focusing on the good side. Uh, and people oh, yeah. who get canceled often get canceled for the very wrong reason. I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, the Dixie Chicks is, is my favorite and slash least favorite example, uh, people who, who really, they got death threats. Uh, and I oh, yeah. understand it was a very heightened moment in our, in our country, but um, they, were, they were saying things. They weren't even in their songs. It was just between songs off the cuff, and the whole country went nuts. Country music just stopped their career uh, you know, dead. And mm-hmm. that, I, I think that's wrong, but I think it's also the, an anomaly and not the rule. I, I don't see it happening for people who are uh, earnestly saying what they believe in comedy. Uh, country music is a very uh, different thing. Uh, Steve, cool. is our guest right. here. We got we got 13 minutes of regular time, and we're probably gonna we are gonna do a little overtime. You said we can go up to what uh, five or ten minutes over there, big swing. Um, I'm looking at the the commercial block for the FM here. And like I said, the Yankees aren't on tonight, um, and I can push Sports Center back. We can probably do a five to six minutes, yeah. Okay, perfect. So, Steve, I guess my next question is, uh, you know, I know you're familiar with Andy Kaufman. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, there's a perfect example uh, of a guy that, uh, you know, some of the stuff he did was definitely misunderstood. 
and uh, it did uh, end up affecting him, which is which is wrong. Uh, do you feel that uh, that was that was also unjustified? What uh, what happened with him with some of the stuff that he did in his what his which comedy are you referring stuff? to? What are you referring well, to? Well, like you know. When he, well, when he was doing the wrestling thing, and then he got banned from Saturday Night Live, and then he was doing his meditation thing, and they asked him not to be part of it anymore because of all that mm, stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I think Andy's a special case because the joke was often on the audience with Andy, and a lot of people weren't even sure he was dead. You know, they thought there's just one more joke he's playing. I, I Well, first of all, I believe he did die of cancer. Uh, I also believe that if he had had more time, that joke would have come around. He, I don't think he was finished with the wrestling joke. And, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea. That didn't really make me laugh, but it was certainly interesting to, to see what is this guy doing, this guy who I really respect and enjoy for the most part. He's doing something that, complete, that seems completely off the rails. Um, I don't know if you've seen interviews with Jerry Lawler since then. He was the, the, yes. the professional wrestler who uh, got into this very big, public battle with you know and lawsuits flying back and forth he was in on it i believe i mean that's what he said although that may still be part of the joke i don't really know but i think andy was laughing at us uh trying to figure it out and if he'd had more time he would have moved on to the next thing and probably won most of us back who he might have alienated right and uh you know i've uh, i've interviewed jerry lawler and i uh oh, have you? Uh, i spent and I, yeah and i spent most of the uh interview talking to him about andy kaufman uh, because okay. Andy Kaufman was one of my heroes and uh, still is. And, uh, you know, I always thought what he did was was cutting edge, and I always wanted to wrestle women like him. Uh, of course, uh, I always I get my ass kicked. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, Steve Goody's our guest here. We got uh, 10 minutes of regular time and then uh, a little overtime, because we are going to go overtime with you because, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's a ratings thing, and uh, you're helping us get ratings, and uh, the chat room is actually going crazy, too. Uh, some of the stuff that, you know, you're doing because of uh, COVID stuff, uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have done a lot with uh, with uh, Brad lately, uh, mm-hmm. Tassel. Uh, yeah. Uh, how, did, uh, how did you guys get hooked up together? We met at some hell gig in the in the mid-90s. I, I, I remember it. I don't remember where it was exactly, but I remember the OJ trial was on. So that's how long ago that was. And we, we, we worked a couple gigs together just because that happened. We, weren't, we didn't look to book, get booked together. It just kind of happened. And then uh, about 10 or about 10 years went by, and then he came down to Nashville where I was living and saw me at the Bluebird and enjoyed one of my Harry Potter songs with his uh, then three-year-old daughter. I think this is more like in the 2000s, actually. Uh, and so we were in touch, and he lives – now he lives in the Bowling Green area, and I live in Nashville, so we're only about an hour away from each other. And he came to me in 2018, I think it was, and said, I've got all these poems that are about Halloween. Let's make songs of them. I'm not a good enough musician to make songs of them. So we did that. We made a whole album of Halloween songs, and we made a stage show of it, and it's uh, Vampire's Ball Ultimate Halloween Party. And then uh, this year, even during a pandemic, I'm sorry, last year, 2020, we came up with a, a holiday CD uh, of Christmas. Um, at first it was going to be Christmas versus Hanukkah, and then we made it more like Christmas and Hanukkah, because why, why have a battle about it? And that was fun. Uh, and we may make a show about that too, 
but meanwhile, we're pushing the Halloween thing pretty hard. We're, we're, gonna, we're supposed to be part of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland, as he may have told you. I bet he told you quite a bit about that last year, but yep. of course it was canceled. First time in 70 years the Fringe Festival didn't happen because of a pandemic. Uh, we're hoping it happens for real this year, but even if it's not a live thing in person in Scotland, they're definitely doing an online thing, so we will definitely be part of that, and we hope that it's live and in person. And we've been invited to do the Brighton Fringe, which happens in June. Uh, that will definitely be online, June 14th through 27th. We'll be doing it every single night at 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. That means it's 1 in the afternoon. Every day for two weeks in June, we'll be doing Halloween, which totally makes sense. Trust me, it makes sense. And if you'd like to find out more about that, go to ultimatehalloweenparty.com. That's ultimatehalloweenparty.com. We'd love to have you join us for the Brighton Fringe Festival of Halloween in June. Uh, Steve Goody's our guest here. We got uh, we got seven minutes left of regular time, and then uh, we're going to go overtime. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, you know, you did comment about uh, my countdowns. Uh, of course, uh, I like to when it comes to the show. I like to run a tight ship. I just want to make sure that Clearly. people are yeah. still on board. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm kind of curious. You know, you mentioned um, that uh, you know you've done all the uh, all these uh, different cool songs and different CDs and everything. Uh, let me ask you this. If someone were to ask you, can you do a song about this or write a song about this guy? Uh, is it something that you could like do in like uh, a matter of uh, weeks or is it something that, you know, you have to like spend a lot of time on uh, if you get put on the spot that way? It depends on how funny I think the idea is or the subject. If, it, he's, if someone says, can you make a song making fun of, um, uh, um, uh, Bernie Madoff, who just died in prison. Um, I might be able to do that, but I don't think that's hilarious. Uh, if there's a twist that, that comes to me or that I'm offered and I think it's funny, then, yeah, I can probably do that in a couple of days. Um, and I've also been part of uh, improv songwriting on stage. It's kind of like um, Whose Line Is It Anyway, but with guitars, where you get an idea and you have to make up a song right now. <laughs> You've got no time to think about it. Go. And songs just pop out of you, and either they're funny or they're not, and you find out it. You know, sometimes they can be really funny, and sometimes it's a nightmare, and that in itself can be funny also. So the answer to your question is, I don't know. It could happen immediately, or it could take forever. Or if it's not that good an idea, it may never happen, just because I, I couldn't find the funny. Then uh, that, that brings me to my next question. And if, I were, if someone asked you to do a parody song about the icon, uh, would you be able to do something like that? I'd even, I'd even give you a, a tip to do that. Uh, if you, I'd need a bunch of information about my subject, and if you had an idea of what song we'd be using as the original song that we're parodying, that would be handy, too, if you had a, a clever rhyme or something already in place, and I could learn from that. But if you didn't have that, yeah, I, could, I can try. Who knows if it'll be hilarious, but it'll, it'll certainly be insulting. So that's good, right? Right. Well, let me ask my co-host. You guys, you, would you guys like to hear a guy make a song about the icon? <laughs> yes. I think it's there you go, Steve. You're, you're a popular guy, you know. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, you know, because uh, my actual theme song that I actually use is uh, Eric Bischoff's theme song called "I'm Back." If you could do a twist on that, that'd be awesome, you know. We'll talk. Have your people call my people. We can work this out. We'll do All lunch. Right. Okay, Chris, get on the phone. <laughs> uh, well, I, I thought Icon usually represents himself. He certainly refers to himself in the third person, so that's weird. He does, all the time. 
In fact, I wasn't sure. Well, I was going to say, aren't you the icon? Who are we talking about? But I didn't want to be rude. Well, no, no, I am the icon, and I do like to talk uh, in the third person, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, The Rock actually stole my gimmick uh, by talking in the third person. A lot of people don't know that. That was very iconic of him, and he needs to be sued. Yeah, right, right. But uh, I think he, uh, if I sold you everything I own, I could buy you lunch. Me, uh, I'll take you it. Know, if, if he sold everything he owned, he could buy you Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, we have Steve Goody's our guest here. So kind of take us through, uh, you know, uh, are you going to be getting out and doing uh, any live shows uh, in the next, uh, uh, in the coming weeks? Or uh, are you uh, just working on your uh, albums and the Halloween stuff? Um, I think it's still a little too early, in my opinion, for us to be doing live shows. That doesn't mean people aren't (laughs) doing them. Lots of people are doing them. I think it's too soon for it to be safe. But I think in the next couple months, uh, we may. I, my, I mean, I'm not. I'm not a doctor, and I'm. I, I'm not. I'm no pandemi- pandemicologist. Hey, I just made up a word. But I feel like if we get closer to two thirds of the country vaccinated, I will feel better uh, about going out there and being in close proximity to people and sharing a microphone with other people and, and all that stuff like we used to do back in the good old days. So, uh, short answer: not in the next couple of weeks, but uh, probably uh, mid June or July, I'll be ready to do that. So with, with that, that leads me to the next question then. Has there been any, uh, you know, I know a lot of places are shut down. A lot of places are, you know, are starting to open back up little by little. But has there been any places uh, since this pandemic has started that have asked you to come out and do a show that you've had to uh, turn down because of what's going on? Uh, hmm. I don't think so because um, – if you've ever been a stand-up comic, people don't ask you to do shows. You call them up and beg them, can I do a show? <laughs> and I've just stopped doing that. Uh, but I will start again. The um, One of the places I work regularly, as I said, is the Bluebird Cafe, which is a songwriter's venue here in Nashville. I've been the MC on Sundays there since 2007. Uh, they've been closed. Uh, they're very much intent on staying afloat and reopening, and they will. Uh, if you ever watch the TV show Nashville, they're pretty iconic in that. And they still sell a lot of merch over their website, and they have um, Zoom music events that are doing okay. They're struggling, but they're hanging in there, unlike some clubs which have closed forever due to the pandemic. Um, when the Bluebird is ready to open again, and they're a tiny, tiny venue. They've they got about 90 seats, and you are crammed next to everybody else. When they're ready to go, I'm ready to go. So, Now, uh, yeah. with that being said, I guess when, when you're on stage, uh, and you're doing a show, do you prefer a uh, a small crowd, a medium crowd, or a big arena? Uh, I don't think it's that simple. I prefer a crowd that's focused and wants to have a good time. Uh, comedy really requires focus, and, and that's, to me that's a bigger deal these days than cancel culture. Everybody's so distracted by everything. If, you ever, if you've been to a comedy club in the past couple of years, most of them are requiring that you put your phone away. They have a special bag that they lock your phone in or they collect them at the door, and you can have it when you leave. They, and people have a great deal of difficulty living without their phone for an hour and a half. Um, and that, that is uh, symptomatic of our inability to focus on anything for more than a couple of minutes, if that. If you can get people to focus on you and give you a chance, and we can all have a good time, it, it's, that's more important than how many people are there. I've had, even before the pandemic, I'd, I've done a couple shows that were so badly attended. I had three people, and we had a ball. I've got video recordings of three people making more noise than a crowd of 100 because they were just having such a good time. 
And then, but you know, a big crowd is more fun too because you can tell a little joke that you don't think that's funny. It's just a throwaway, and you get this big wave of laughs. That's always good too. So I, I don't think there's a simple answer to your question. I like a crowd that's into it uh, and that is there to have a good time. And and it doesn't mind if the feathers get ruffled a little bit. They'll they'll let it roll off. Let's just have fun. See, you know, and the one cool thing that you and I have in common, uh, and you probably don't want me to mention this, but, uh, you know, I put out a comedy CD that went aluminum, uh, and, you know, and I know that your your CD probably went platinum or gold or silver, but... Uh, Mine went plastic, you know, I and was, I got a Frisbee nail to the wall. Thank you. Well, Thanks. there you go. Uh, yeah, uh, mine, mine sold the same amount as the aluminum can, which, <laughs> which is interesting. Hey, at least you can recycle uh, that thing. Right. Hey, somebody's taking a trombone lesson. Can we get back to this? Yes. <laughs> so, um, so now I got I got to ask you as a as a comedian, uh, and uh, I know this is a subject that uh, you guys uh, like maybe like to talk about or don't like to talk about, but I'm going to ask it because I uh, I can't uh, I can't help you do myself. It. Go for uh, it, man. We have we have Steve Goodies, our guest here. We have uh, 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 four minutes left of regular time. We have ten minutes left of this interview. Uh, but uh, real quick before uh, we sign off on the live portion, before we go to overtime, if our fans want to check out and see you uh, and see what you're doing, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe. What do you got? <laughs> I'm on all of those things, but I think the easiest thing to remember is just my website, stevegoody.com. The name's S-T-E-V-E-G-O-O-D-I-E dot com. And if you type that into any of the search engines in YouTube or Spotify or Amazon or any of that stuff, stuff will come up. It's just, just remember my name uh, and make that the website or Google it. You can't lose. And, uh, and also, uh, with that... With that um, the uh, you know the cool thing about uh, your website is uh, they can uh, they can contact you on your website as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And uh, if they uh, would they be able to contact you if they wanted to have you do bookings or mm-hmm. uh, do they have to go through like a manager for that? <laughs> You're funny, a manager. Uh, no, yeah, just contact me. There's a contact button, and that will take you to an email thing. Uh, just send me an email if it's about work and, uh, or we joke also have- or. Anything. And for all our friends, know that we, we do have a contest going and it's still going on. Uh, and uh, hopefully, Steve, you might be willing to send us some autographs from giveaways because we have a contest going on. Anybody that goes to our Facebook page, Off the Ropes, and likes it from the end of the show to the beginning of next show, automatically is qualified to win autographs from, I guess, from that week or the previous weeks. Would you be willing to send us a few for giveaways? Heck, yeah. I'll do even better. I'll sign a CD and send it. How about that? Awesome. And then you also, because the icon has an ego and he's got a man cave, I got a spot right on my man cave wall for an autographed picture from you. Can you send one to the icon too? Fantastic. Yes. Okay, there we go. So we I have keep thinking you're talking about someone time. else. Right. So we got <laughs> so we got two minutes left of regular time, five minutes overtime. Here we go. So now, uh, back to what I was asking. Now, how. Uh, and I don't know if you want you you have an opinion on this. I'm sure you do, so I'm going to ask you because I can't stop myself. Hecklers, how do you, as a comedian, handle hecklers? What is the worst experience you've had with one, and uh, how do you deal with it? 
Well, the first step in dealing with a heckler is pushing down the hatred. Uh, somebody who comes to a comedy club and feels that they are helping by yelling stuff out, when I have gone to the tr- – and any, this applies to any comedian. We've gone to the trouble to craft an act made of jokes that are carefully worded and paced, and we're doing our best to hone that and get it right. And some guy thinks he's helping by jumping up in the middle and, and ruining that particular honing, the timing. You know, com- you've heard t- comedies about timing. It's about timing. Even if you're struggling as a comedian, we all have bad nights. The best thing to do if you're an audience member is just shut up and give us a chance to get on the rails, and we probably will. Uh, and if we don't, oh, well. There's another comedian coming up right after us. Uh, so, but if somebody insists on heckling and it's not good-natured, um, I think the thing to do is give them enough rope to hang themselves, and the audience will probably take care of it. Uh, as long as you're not looking like a dope and you can't handle it, it's not really necessary to slam them real hard. Just just play ball long enough till the audience starts booing them, and then you win. You can just stand there and watch the whole audience gang up on this idiot. So you uh, you wouldn't ever ask for like somebody's exit then. So for someone to be ejected, is that what you said? Yeah, right. Uh, not just for talking. If they're if they're being belligerent, and I've seen this, it's not happened while I've been on stage, but I've seen it happen to other comedians. Oh. Uh, if they're if they are offended or um, just stupid and drunk, uh, or <laughs> yeah, uh, I've wanted them ejected, and if they get ejected, I'm happy about it, just because they can't shut up. They can't. It, and and the thing I'm picturing right now is drunkenness more than belligerence. It's just some people just cannot handle being drunk, and they can't shut up when they're drunk. And, uh, you know, and uh, it's, that's another thing I like about house concerts, by the way, as opposed to comedy clubs. You play a house concert, the house is not bound and determined to sell beer. When you play a comedy club, you are there to push liquor sales. That's how they make their money. And God bless them for it. Um, but the night, it's nice to play someone's house because you almost never have a drunken heckler or a heckler at all. It's just nice. So if you have a house and you want to have comedy, let me know. Let's do a house concert. It's way better than a comedy club. Although, if you have a comedy club, I'd love to play it. Uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, I, I just want to share this. Uh, you know, we used to have a comedy club here in uh, uh, around my hometown in Moorhead, Minnesota, called Courtney's Comedy Club. I don't know if you ever played there. That's actually where I met mm-hmm. Brad. And we became nope. friends. Uh, I don't know if he'll admit it, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, there was a comedian that was telling us about, uh, you know, he used to, I can't remember the name of the guy, uh, but he used to be involved in Adult Swim. Uh-huh. And uh, he was, uh, there was a guy that was heckling him in the audience pretty bad. And uh, the guy was shown the door. And uh, then the guy told, showed a story about uh, this heckler. He said, yeah, I was at this place in uh, Nashville, and uh, I went out to my car, and someone had take, took a dump on my car. They actually <laughs> climbed up on top of the roof and took a dump on the windshield. And I, he said he went into talking to the bartender. He said, oh, Calvin did that. It's like, you guys know who did it? Yeah, he does that to every comedy, comedian he doesn't like. Jesus. Really? That's not heckling. That's vandalism. Yeah, and, and the comedian, he he said, I just had to ask the bartender, how many times has he done this? Oh, he doesn't like any co- comedians. We just like to have him come in until we can throw him out because it's kind of interesting to see the comedian's reaction. Really? That's uh, I disapprove of the whole thing. thing. Yeah, I'm against it. It's not fair to the yeah. other patrons who paid their money and want to see a comedian do their best. Yeah. I, I Isn't know, that what you I, want? I when, took... when you go to a comedy show, you want the comedian to succeed. If they're succeeding, right. you're laughing. So why would you support something that's interfering with that? 
Yeah, I know one thing. I know how I'd react if someone took a dump on my porch. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I would not be fine with that either. Hey, you guys right. are based in Fargo, right? Well, I'm in Fargo. Uh, Granny's okay. in uh, Arkansas, and uh, Big Swings in Albany, New York. Oh, you guys are all over the place. Well, I wanted to tell my Fargo story real quick before I run out of time. In 1996, I was doing a string of one-nighters, and one of them was in Fargo. And the next day, I had the day off, and I went and saw the movie Fargo. This was in 1996 when the movie Fargo came out. I saw Fargo in Fargo, and I want you to know I was the only one laughing because (laughs) apparently everyone else uh, thought it was a documentary. (laughs) Well, yeah, here in Fargo, we don't like the movie. Uh, We don't talk like that. We don't talk like that. Uh, but you know what's interesting about that movie? You know, the wood chipper from the movie is actually yeah. here in Fargo at the visitor center. <laughs> Neat. But didn't that take place in Minnesota, that part? Well, yeah, I know, but still, it uh, okay. it is, you know, we we own the rights to that wood chipper. <laughs> okay. I would never take that away from you. Uh, so we got uh, Steve Goody's our guest here. We got, uh, we got about uh, two minutes uh, of overtime. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Steve, you have been uh, tremendous. You've been awesome. And I'll understand if you would not accept an invitation to come back, but we definitely <laughs> would like to have you come back on again. You've been so awesome. And, uh, you know, and uh, hopefully uh, you can send us some autographs and some giveaways. And Well, uh, thanks. You guys have been a lot of fun. I, I, I appreciate I would that. Like to, I would like a couple CDs, too. That way I can, uh, when I'm uh, go, traveling down the road this summer with the Fargo Invaders, I'll have something to keep me entertained because they definitely don't like when I do stand-up comedian on the bus, and they don't like the <laughs> movies I bring to watch. So, you know, Man. maybe I'll put in the CD and entertain the team. Yeah, and then they'll totally not like you. That's a great idea. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I know you're probably not a wrestling fan, but I have what they call X-Pac heat. And I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why I would have heat with anybody because I am a great good old boy. I'm a country boy from North Dakota, for God's sake. But I get heat with everybody. <laughs> That's great. I can't explain it, man. I think you're awesome. Well, you know, we we love you too, Steve. And uh, uh, we do appreciate uh, you coming on tonight. And uh, I thank you for all you do. And uh, for the fans that have to download the show, uh, we'll let you close it and tell tell the fans something that uh, are downloading the show that had to uh, listen to the overtime by downloading. Tell, give, give them some. Hey, all you people, listen to this show by downloading it, or the icon's going to come to my house and beat the crap out of me. Or, or I'll call you two in the morning so I get that restraining order uh, put back <laughs> into place. Yeah, i got to give Sean a call and apologize for all that. Yeah, well, she, as a matter of fact, she is still listening, so uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'll tell you what, thank you, Steve, very much for being with us. And uh, for those that are going to download the show, uh, be checking out our uh, Off the Ropes page on Facebook. uh, Because, of course, Facebook won't want to change the name to Addison Dare Live because they say it's combative or offensive, which is a bunch of BS. That's my opinion. Uh, But uh, check us out. Uh, The guests that we're going to have on will drop uh, uh, Friday night, so you can check us out. And uh, we thank Steve for joining us. Thank uh, Sean Reed and uh, thank Mr. Kaplan for being with us. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Uh, Big Swing, if you're ready, go ahead and hit the theme music. All righty.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.